Well, hi everyone. Well, well, what's the crack? Um, did anyone else really feel God's presence when we were singing there earlier? Yeah, God's good. God's good. I wonder could he be doing something this morning? Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but around three years ago, my calendar suddenly became really empty. Anyone else can relate, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, something happens. There were very few pressing things that I had to do. Yeah, there were very few pressing things that I had to do, which meant that I could really focus on the things that were in front of me and the people that I was actually able to spend time with. But over the last year, my calendar has started to fill up again, and I find myself becoming busier, which I don't really like. Uh, And it means that if I'm not careful, I can easily become overwhelmed by all the things that I have to do and and by busyness, and, and people therefore get pushed to the side. And unfortunately, I have to admit that whenever I'm working, whenever I'm at work, a lot of the time my mind is half focused on the person I'm talking to and then the other half of my mind is focused on the next task that I have to do and I have to really make a a real effort to bring my attention back to the person in front of me and give them the attention that they they deserve. Um, I wonder can anybody else relate to that, Just just the busyness that we all have in our lives. Peter, so far in Acts, has been one of the main characters. He preached the word at Pentecost and thousands of people turned to Jesus and he broke out of jail whenever the Holy Spirit opened the prison doors for him and he was involved whenever Ananias and Sapphira died for whenever they lied to the Holy Spirit. And at this point in Acts where we've got to so far, the believers had scattered uh, from Jerusalem after Stephen had been martyred. But instead of that snuffing out this new movement of people who were being called Christians, all that really did was fan the flame. And Jesus said that he would send his message from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here, it was starting to happen. So these were exciting times. So Peter, he would have been a busy man. And it's easy to imagine him spending a lot of time on on Microsoft Teams meetings or or answering emails or, or trying to think what disciple needed to be sent where next or maybe dealing with conflict between different groups in the early church. And he wouldn't have had much time for his big passion and pastime, fishing, never mind being a fisher of men like Jesus told him he was supposed to be. And I can imagine as well that maybe he didn't have much time to spend with people, to be present with them, to breathe life and encouragement into them, to show them the way of Jesus, to listen to simply the things that they had going on in their lives because he had stuff to be doing. The story that we're going to read from Acts 9, it's set between two big history-shaking, future-shaping moments in Acts before it comes the conversion of Paul, one of the most significant figures in church history and the writer of quite a few books in the Bible. And after it comes the call of Peter to go to the Gentiles, the moment that God set the, the gospel's direction of travel as outward towards the margins, towards people who hadn't been included before, towards people like you and me. And I don't think that it's any coincidence the right in between those two stories are, are two people who will meet who we could have easily skipped past without realizing. And I don't, think, I don't think that I've, to be honest, ever read this passage before, and I'm almost sure that I've never heard a sermon about it. So Aeneas and Tabitha, who will meet, uh, 
I don't think, I might be wrong, I don't think you'll find them mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, but here they are, two seemingly insignificant people who we could skip past without noticing, but who are important enough to God to be mentioned in this God-breathed, God-inspired part of Scripture. And the fact that they're there, that they're, they're, that they're noticed by God, shows us that every person matters, that nobody is to be ignored or to be turned a blind eye to, and that God wants to use each of us to bring his joy, his purpose, his healing, belonging to the people who we cross paths with every day. In Tom Wright's words, there are no small errands in the kingdom of God. So let's have a look at the passage. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mats. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, and in Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made, while she was still living with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hands and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. I was trying to find out a little bit about these two people, Aeneas and Tabitha, because you don't find them anywhere else in the Bible, so just so we can relate to them, I thought it would be useful. So Aeneas, it turns out, is a Roman name. So there's a good chance that we're looking at a Roman man here, someone who's probably far from home, who, who is paralyzed and who's been bedridden for eight years. He was disabled, and so he was likely living on the margins of society. And there was no mention of any relationship with God before this encounter with Peter. Yet Peter found him. And when it says Peter found him, I'm not sure if it means that he was looking for him and found him or he just stumbled across him and found him. But either way, Peter had spent time following and watching Jesus, watching him heal and transform and, and redeem lives. And there's a verse right at the end of the Gospel of John, right at the end of John's account of the life and ministry of Jesus that says, there are so many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Peter had watched all of this. 
He knew all about Jesus' heart for those who needed him. So in response to that, what did Peter do? He said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Aeneas mattered. And everyone in the area saw what had happened, and they turned to the Lord, we're told. And Peter, like, therefore, he would have been busy teaching and discipling these new believers. Yet when the word came that Tabitha had died in the nearby town, he didn't hesitate. He knew what he had to do. He went to her. And it, it doesn't seem from what we know about her that she was a woman of any wealth or of influence. She wasn't going to be a generous benefactor of the early church and solve any financial issues. She didn't have the, the clout and the influence to stop the persecution that they were going through. But Peter had seen from his time with Jesus that Jesus cared for everyone who needed him. So what did he do? He knelt down, prayed, and turning towards the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. So Tabitha mattered. So if everyone matters, and if Jesus died for the benefit of everyone that we'll ever meet, then let's take a moment and ask ourselves the question, who is it easier for us to walk past than to stop and engage with? I wonder, could it be the annoying colleague? Or maybe the family member that we don't always get on with, or, or the neighbor that really we've never broken the ice with, or, or the person who we know is having a hard time and who got a lot of support whenever things first got tough, but since then has fallen off the radar. Or the person who's normally full of life, but recently they've been a little bit quiet and, and you've wondered why. They all matter. And it's easy for us because... You know, we love God, we're excited by him, we're passionate about him. It's easy for us to get excited and to hunger after the big moments and the big stories, to get excited by big words and themes like revival and kingdom. And yes, we should hunger and we should get excited. But in the excitement, we can't forget the, the example of our king who built everything that he did on, on normal, everyday people like Aeneas and Tabitha. Not all who wonder are lost. I wonder, does anyone recognize that phrase? Alan does, yeah. 100%, yeah. Um, yeah, we see it on t-shirts and we see it on, on travel journals and, and plaques that we put on our shelves, but it actually isn't a standalone phrase, but it forms a second line of a prophecy that only nerds like me will know from, from where else. But the Lord of the Rings, yeah, got on a one mark, yeah. All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire will be woken, a light from the shadow will spring. Remade will be the blade that was broken, the crownless again will be king. But the part that I want to focus about on that this morning is actually the first line, because it's always stuck with me since I was a boy and read the books. All that is gold does not glitter. And I think that the reason it, it stuck with me is because Tolkien does something really clever here. He takes the more familiar phrase, not all that glitters is gold, which means be careful. Just because something is shiny and looks nice doesn't necessarily mean that it's valuable. And he turns it on his head and says, all that is gold does not glitter. The things that are most precious, the most valuable, often appear deceptively normal, actually. 
and perhaps don't get a second look, the look and the attention that they deserve. And the first time that phrase comes up, Tolkien is introducing one of his main characters, a man called Aragorn, and when we first meet him, he seems mysterious. He might seem maybe a, a little bit foul, someone to be kept at arm's length. But as we get to know him, he actually becomes one of the big heroes of the story, and like, like a dull metal that, when it is polished, begins to shine, we see that actually he carries power and courage and nobility. And that even though he enters the story as a normal-looking man, as we journey with him, we see that actually here is a king in disguise who would do anything for his people. And there was nothing desirable about this man. There was nothing about him that would attract us to him. But when the author brings us in, whenever he zooms in for a closer look, we see that actually here's value beyond what we could have, could have imagined. There are so many facets and aspects to what Jesus wants to give us, but one of them is a clear view of ourselves. He wants to show us that he sees us as, as so valuable that, that he died so that his relationship with every one of us could be repaired and made whole again. And as we carry his message with us, part of what we're doing and part of what we're carrying is showing people how valuable they are, that they matter, that they're loved, and that they're seen. So if we want to see entire neighborhoods transformed, and we do, are we loving and serving? Are we loving and serving our neighbor and showing them how valuable God sees them? If we want to see entire workplaces transformed, and we do, are we loving and serving the person who sits beside us and showing them that they have worth? If we want to see entire families transformed, are we loving and serving our brothers and sisters and showing them just how close they are to God's heart? I remember when I was younger, my mum had a, a necklace and it, it was a locket and it was gold, I remember, it was nice. And she had pictures of me and my brothers in it. And I always remember being struck by the fact like, wow, she loves us so much that she wants to like, carry pictures of us close to her, her chest, to her heart. And obviously that's before we could carry uh, pictures on phones. But it always, it always struck me. And as humans, we are capable of incredible love. But even though we're made in the image of God, we're, we're finite beings. We have limits and our love, as big as it is and as overwhelming it can be, it's finite. But God is infinite. And in 1 John chapter 4, he says that he is love. The love of God has no bounds. It's like one of those numbers that's so huge, we can't picture, like it's hard to imagine, like a, a billion billion or a Google or some huge number. We just can't picture what it will look like. And this is the message that we're carrying, that, that people, they're precious. That there is a love available that, that's so full, that's, that's so whole, that it's more than enough for us, no matter what our romantic or our family lives look like, that the love of Jesus allows us to be forgiven and so we can let go of our shame and we can stop feeling like we're condemned. And at a time when people are, are struggling to make ends meet, we know a God who gave up his life so that he could look after us. That's how much he cares about us. So are we up for it? 
loving and serving people, help them to see how valuable they are to God, see the, the kingdom of God break in to transform lives to a new culture to impact every part of our society. That's what we're going for, but it's, it's a big vision and it's easy to wonder, where do we start? Well, I think that we start by taking a leaf out of Peter's book. Peter, who was doing exactly the same things that he'd seen Jesus do. In John 5, Jesus comes across a man in Jerusalem who'd been paralyzed for 38 years, and he says to him, do you want to get well? Go, pick up your mats and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He picked up his mat and he started to walk. Sound familiar to what we read about in this passage? In Luke 8, Jesus heard about a girl who had died, and so he went to her bedside. He took her by the hand, and he said, Child, get up. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Remind us of Tabitha, maybe? When Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts, when Luke was, was writing these events, I wonder, did he have in mind Jesus' Jesus's words? Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. So like Peter, we are to do the things that Jesus did. We are to follow his example. And because he is with us, guiding us, equipping us, helping us, we can trust him whenever, whenever he says that we'll do even greater things. So think about it. Jesus healed the sick. He will do even greater things than these. He cast out demons. You will do even greater things than these. The lame walked. You will do even greater things than these. The blind saw. You will do even greater things than these. Jesus saw broken people made whole and trodden on people find their value and outcasts welcomed in and hungry people fed and poor provided for. You will do even greater things than these. And whenever he was saying these words, um, he was talking at the Last Supper, so he would have been speaking to the 12 disciples. So I wonder, could, could the promise that he was making here, could it possibly apply to us 2,000 years later? Well, we know that, that in the room, he was speaking to Judas Iscariot, who he would walk straight out of there and betray him. We know that, that God has given each of us the Holy Spirit. He's given each of us who follow him the Holy Spirit to, to help us, to guide us, to equip us. We have stories from all throughout the last two millennia of God moving powerfully through normal, everyday people, just like you and me. So was Jesus talking about us whenever he said those words? You will do even greater things. Of course he was. And we mightn't feel like anything special. Could he really use me? Well, all that is gold does not glitter. He goes before us. We're, we're sent by and we carry the power of the king. In um, times before texts and phone calls and emails, before calls, the phone call, or before cars, I should have said, the quickest way for a king to get a message out to his people or to a particular person was to send a messenger on horseback. And that messenger didn't have to be 
anyone particularly special. Their big skill just had to be that they could ride a horse. Um, But actually, they would have been special. And the reason is that they had been sent by the king. They carried the seal of the king. So if they needed a change of horse, you give it to them. If they needed a bed for the night, you give it to them. You wouldn't dare stand in their way because denying you would be denying the king. They had incredible authority. And the reason is because of the person who had sent them. God has always used the least likely people. David, King David was a king, but before that he was just the the youngest and and the smallest of all his brothers. Jacob, who became the father of Israel, he was a liar who stole his brother's birthrights. Moses had killed someone. Paul used to hunt Christians down. Peter was a rough fisherman from a backwater town called Galilee who nobody would have given a second thought to. So all that is gold does not glitter. And that applies to us as well. We mightn't feel like much, but if you wipe away the dust and, and give us a rub and a polish, you'll see that we have power and that we have authority, that we're, that we're children of God, that we're brothers and sisters with Jesus. All that is gold does not glitter. And the best example of all is Jesus. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, Isaiah 53 tells us. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. If you need proof that ordinary people matter and that ordinary people can be used by God to do incredible things, look no further than the most famous person in history. He was born in a cave among animals. He never went abroad except as a refugee. He worked in an ordinary job as a carpenter. He ended up being rejected in the town that he grew up in. Whenever he really needed the most, all of his friends left him and abandoned him, and he died whenever he was about 33. Maybe a sad life, maybe unexceptional. But whenever we look closer, he takes our breath away. He is the one who spoke everything that we see in the being. He, everything was created through him and nothing was created except through him. He was there at the start and he's going to be there at the end. He's the one who hates brokenness and sin and injustice so much that he came and he did something about it. So we try our best, but he's already won the victory. He's the Prince of Peace. When he steps into the room, fear steps out. He's the one who never leaves us. He's with us even whenever we don't see him and we don't know about it. And, and you could add up everything that we could ever earn or accomplish by ourselves and it wouldn't come close to, to the prize of knowing him. He's the seeker to being content in any and every situation, whether we're well-fed or we're hungry, whether we're living in plenty or in want. And he's the good shepherd who leaves his flock to search and search and search for the one sheep that he's lost. He was a king in disguise and he chose to spend his time with people that society ignores. Everyone matters to him and if we are to be his representatives, if we are to be the visible image of the invisible God, then everyone is to matter to us. And the moment that All of this really becomes clear, crystal clear. 
is on the cross because that's the moment that he took the step that there was no stepping back from. Whenever he was dying, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers there mocked him and, and they made fun of him and they said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But he couldn't do both, so he saved us by staying where he was. And he did it for you and for me, for the person beside you on the bus, the person who's teaching your kids, for the person who's serving you your coffee in the morning, for, for your boss, for maybe the person who pulled out in front of you on the way here. This is how valuable people are. They're worth his life. And he wants us to get the message out. So what about us? What could we do? The things that you've seen me do, you will do even more. His people who have been carrying his name, who have been sent by him, have been doing incredible things throughout the last 2,000 years. Ordinary people doing incredible things, changing the world. But all through him, all through his name, Peter healed Aeneas. But Jesus, first of all, had defeated sickness. And Tabitha was raised for the de- from the dead. But before that, Jesus had defeated death. So whenever we heal, we do it in his power. Whenever we prophesy, we do it in his name. Whenever we tell people about him, we're trusting him to, to open up their eyes so that they can see him for who he is. Whenever we welcome people in and use our gifts of hospitality, we know uh, that we're doing it in his power. And whenever we're sharing our wealth sacrificially, we know that he'll provide for us because it all comes from him anyway. Whenever we're doing everything that we can to show people how much they are loved, that they're forgiven, that everything that they're striving for and searching for and trying to achieve can be found in him, we're always doing it in his power. And sometimes whenever we, we step out, it's scary and maybe it's a bit uncomfortable and sometimes it won't turn out the way we expect it to and we might feel a bit rejected or we might feel silly or, or things might be a little bit awkward. But our aim is to serve and to love people because that's the example that, that Jesus has given us. I couldn't think of... a. A good way to finish. I was going over things. Uh, maybe if Kathy want to come back up, we'll just finish here in a minute. I couldn't think of a way to finish until I remembered recently being, being in Ballyclare recently working. And I was working around the, these gardens and country roads and like big wide verges everywhere. And there were snowdrops everywhere. And it was, it was beautiful. And I can remember thinking someone at some time would have planted the seeds for those but they weren't there standing over the flowers and you know inspecting them like are you growing are you growing are you looking pretty the way you should they were just growing they would have planted the seeds and then they just would have trusted the sun and the rain and and the soil to come and do their work they they did what they could as a gardener and then they, they handed over the responsibility and it's the same way for us like we listen for the Holy Spirit prodding us and, and showing us and telling us to go, to speak, to do. And all that is required of us is to, be, is to be obedient and to trust. And what happens then? What happens after that? You know, we just 
trust Jesus. But he said, the, the things you see me do, you'll do even more. So we can trust him. I don't know what we were planning on singing next, but I thought maybe when, whenever we were singing that song all about Jesus, you know, saying the name of Jesus and, and the power of Jesus' name, I was thinking, boys are dear. That just sums up what we're chatting about, like the power of Jesus for you know, our families, for our workplaces, for our neighborhoods, for, for whatever God's setting on our hearts. So, yeah, I was chatting with the calf beforehand. Maybe we'll just sing that again and, and go from there.